everyone, and welcome to Minute 30 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off this week is, from Chronologically Speaking, Duncan Shields. Welcome back, Duncan. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. All right. I'm glad to have you. I've had a fun uh, time all week. Ho- hopefully you have too. Hopefully everyone listening... Been. Hopefully everyone listening also has that. That's that's probably more important than me and you having fun. But uh, you know, it's, it's all it's all all the, you know. It's it's why we do it all. You know. Yes. So, all right. So minute thirty begins with John uh, being propositioned and ends with Carmine giving his re- report. So yesterday we we ended things with John getting the dossier from uh, Al and looking it over and, uh, you know, suspecting that there is something very fishy going on with it. And immediately after that happens, John hangs up the phone and gives a look to the steward, uh, the rent-a-car girl, the budget rent-a-car girl. And she looks back at him and she starts off the minute by saying, say, I close in about an hour. Maybe we can go get a drink. And then John just looks at her uh, and, you know, picks up his hand, flip, flips his uh, ring a little bit. And, uh, you know, first of all, he's, he's amused by it. You know, he plays around with his ring and then he goes, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. So, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you know where that uh, phrase comes from. Dragnet. Dragnet. That's correct. Um, now, do you know what a dragnet is? Uh, I mean, I know that there's, there's a, it, it is literally a net that you put into the a river or a lake when you're trying to comb the bottom for a body or a search for whatever. But it's also when you want to do the same thing in spirit by closing a whole bunch of roads and putting cops at every intersection on every highway. So you're trying to catch anybody that's trying to flee. Right. Well, it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, that, that it's a way to coordinate apprehension of criminals or suspects, yeah. you know, between various, you know, local and federal and I guess Interpol organizations, <laughs> you know, where yeah. you can set up uh, road roadblocks and uh, traffic stops and and by also doing DNA testing and, you know, just making sure that, that there's there's full of pol- police alertness, you know, trying to, uh, <clears throat> to find things. But you are correct. It, it comes from the the fishing technique of dragging a fishing net across the sea bottom or through a promising area of open water, which is known yeah. to drag net, which which yeah. just sounds really silly that, okay, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to drag net. What does that mean? And we're going to be dragging the net. <laughs> yeah. It's self-explanatory. Yeah. Pretty, pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, drag net itself. The, it, the the TV show that we're referring that we referred to was also a radio show and it was also a, a movie series that uh, dealt with uh, the the main character of detective uh, LAPD detective Joe Friday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Friday. Yes, it was created by actor and producer Jack Webb. The idea was is that okay, you know, we're gonna always have coordination of of trying to capture the suspects and stuff like that it was it was one of the first and most famous uh police procedural crime dramas in in uh media history um it managed to portray police work as dangerous and heroic 
and helped shape the public perception of what law enforcement was in the 20th century. Huh. Um, it helped uh, uh, improve the public opinion of police officers. And what Webb wanted to do with the show was to make it that it was as realistic as possible and have unpretentious acting in the way that they would uh, do things. Uh, obviously, it was the key influence on many, many other police procedurals, which up until today, we just have so many of them, uh, some yeah. some better than others, but, uh, you know, still works. Do you know what year the radio show began? I'm going to go with 52. 49. 49, all right. Yes. Not bad, not bad. And, and then uh, what what's really interesting is, is that they had both the radio show and the TV show running simultaneously because the radio, oh, that is interesting. the radio show was from 49 to 57 and the TV show, they started showing it on TV in 51. That went from 51 oh. to 59. Um, wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, they were, ah, they, they were, uh, basically the TV shows, most of them were, were adaptations of the radio show, but then they, yeah. they started making their own original plot lines later on. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they they revived the show again in the nineteen the late sixties, so sixty seven to seventy. Um, oh, they, cool. They had it. They had it back. They they actually have a movie which I've seen from nineteen fifty four, which, which was an adaptation of one of the, the the you know it was a full length feature. One of the things that they they had to deal with in nineteen sixty six, they had a made for TV movie that was basically what initiated the return of the the show. You know when they started it again, mm-hmm. then. They have the famous uh, one from 1987, the movie Dragnet, with De- uh, Dan Aykroyd Tom Hanks and, and Dan Aykroyd. Dan That's Aykroyd right. Tom Hanks. Then they they had a TV show in 1989 called The New Dragnet, but that didn't really uh, didn't work very well. Just had it had a very short first season and a short second season. Um, then in 2003 they had another TV show called L.A. Dragnet, which also didn't last very long. Oh, I remember that. That that was actually yeah. a a uh, that was a Dick Wolf show. You know the guy who oh, did Law and yeah. Order. So that's right. Yeah, and obviously we we have the Dragnet theme, which is uh, very popular. Dun 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 dun. There are a lot of movies and TV shows that that have done parodies of Dragnet, including the yeah. original Little Shop of Horrors. They have the the voiceover and things like that where they did that. Uh, um, right. Sesame Street did a uh, Dragnet skit, which had uh, Sergeant Thursday and his partner Ben searching for the fugitive letter W. Oh, fantastic! Yes, and uh, when when they do find the letter W, it has disguised itself as the letter M by turning upside down. Oh, classic W move. Yes, that's correct. Uh, the Simpsons has has one. That there's an episode of the New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh that that has it. So I mean, it, it's something that they've they've done quite often. Yeah, but it's starting to get past its sell-by date. Like I was born in '71. I got no idea, no idea until I was older what uh, Dragnet was, but they're really, I mean, if they're still trying to court the boomer audience by throwing in references from 1950s TV shows, 
uh, it's pretty wild that it was in the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. It sounds like we're getting it. <laughs> That's true. And uh, the, the the final one that I have here is is from, uh, I, I've only seen the first season of the show and I've been meaning to see the rest of it. The Man in the High Castle, they actually have, oh, right. they have a German parody. It's, it's basically a, a TV show based on a book about what would have happened if the Germans uh, won World War II. And they have yeah. a, a show that's similar to, to Dragnet that's called American Reich that people would. Uh, American you know. Reich. Yes. Oh, man. I didn't watch all that. Yeah, I did the same thing. I watched the first season. And, and I loved it. I just it. haven't had the time to, to watch the rest of it. I've been, I keep telling myself i got to find time to see it. I was all filmed here in Vancouver, or a lot of it was filmed here in Vancouver. I got friends who are on the show. Um, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty big. It was a pretty big. Uh, right. It was one of those high-profile projects that gets done in Vancouver from time to time. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so John, you know, uh, is, is flirting a little too much, and he actually, you know, just says just the facts. And, you know, the pun is that in the TV show, Webb would say just the facts, F-A-C-T-S, yeah. and here it's just the facts, F-A-X, you know, that type of thing. And then, uh, you know, John John's pleased with himself, you know, she she smirks as he walks away, and then you see him walking through the the airport and starts taking out another cigarette, and then we we get to see Sam Coleman again, who's on the phone, and uh, she goes, "Hey, wait a second, I see somebody. I'll call you back." You know, we we saw her beforehand when she she met Stewart and she was talking with, uh, you know, the 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 various people from the uh, State Department and things like that. And then uh, we see her like quickly hang up the phone and walk to, uh, basically ghost John as as she's walking through. And then she she runs up to him and gets really close and goes, Ghost of Christmas Past. Nakatomi, LA, you're John McLean, right? And he, he gets on the moving walkway and then says, Who are you? She goes, Sam Coleman, WNTW News. And he goes, Excuse me. And he starts uh, walking through, you know, the people that are. Uh, you know, that are in front of him. Give me a break. I saw the stiff. Word is, that's your handiwork. He says, no, I only do needlepoint. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's not a joke that really, uh, you know, fits very well. She, like, she also, like, puts out her hand, tries to shake his hand, tries to get in his way. You know, he doesn't want anything to do with her. And then he just leaves her, you know, shocked. Uh, or, or not shocked. Yes. He leaves her more disturbed that she's not able to uh, to accurately get any uh, uh, information from him. You know, she's she's looking for that scoop. She's being she's frustratingly rebuffed. Yes, that is very but true. She's she's tenacious. She That's right. We'll 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 see her again later. She'll she'll be back. I uh, we're not done with her. She, you what? No, we're not done with her. I'm a big fan of Sheila McCarthy. She's the actor here. Yes. She's Canadian, which is really cool. Uh, she was in a very big movie here called I've Heard the Mo I've Heard the Mermaids Singing in 1987, and then uh, just recently she was in Women Talking, which yes. won the Oscar for best uh, best screenplay recently. Yes, I saw so, her in that, and I thought she did a great job in that. I I immediately recognized her. I was like, oh, awesome. that's 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 Sheila McCarthy. Yeah. That's her. And I, I like that uh, I'm, I'm really one thing I really like about her in this movie is that she's not some like uh, Christmas Jones knockout supermodel love interest posing as a hard nosed reporter. Like she actually looks 
like a career journalist who's good at her job. She's not just some another like eye candy, you know, sex target throwing herself at McLean. She's not just some hot young reporter who's like, give me the scoop. And while you're at it, let's get a hotel room. Like she's actually a professional doing her job and he interacts or interacts with her on that, on that level. And I thought that was um, pretty cool. I, I, I like that. I like that part of the film. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I, I don't again, they, they make her seem, you know, uh, like a real reporter the way that they do it, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's interesting that um, like I have days where I wonder if the entire movie was written to support the joke, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> like <laughs> it's such a uh, such an amazing get, you know, because he's a cop. He's saying just the facts. It's a facts. Like it's one of those jokes where you've been waiting, not just in Die Hard, but you've been waiting for that joke to be used in some movie somewhere at some point. And, and here it is. And we're like, yay. Uh, but this is also like uh, um, this minute here. I'm really happy I got this minute specifically because this is where we fly off planet Earth, as far as I'm concerned, to uh, to planet make-believe for, for good. This is like it's been pushing the envelope up till now. But from here on out, it's utter fantasy. This is Bruce Willis having a dream because he's taken over her office taken over her phone, taken over her technology, asked to be shown how to use it, you know, been smarmy. And uh, and then she throws herself at him. She's like, maybe we could get a drink. And then he, he wiggles his wedding ring. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if you noticed, but in the sound track, there's a literal yes. ting, yes, yes, yes. Like a, a glint sound effect off his ring. And I'm like, nope. And then he says, just the facts, ma'am. I'm like, this is... Utter, utter make <laughs> utter fantasy. We're, uh, we're, I'm like, I'm along for the ride now, but I don't believe for a second that any of this is remotely rooted in reality. But uh, she she didn't do, this was her first uh, first gig there, Lauren Letherer, the actress who played the, yeah. the Rent-A-Car Girl. Uh, she, she did a bunch of TV series work, including Hawaii Five-0 in 2016. But she played Nurse Laurel on Days of Our Lives from 1990 all the way to 2017. And her latest credit is 2015, so she's still working, but her IMDb picture is wild. It's like she's wearing torn jeans and an ACDC t-shirt, and she's smoking. It's like, wow, this is not a normal headshot. <laughs> huh. So I wonder what she's been through in the last, you know, whatever, 23 years, 33 years. Yeah. You, you, you never know. You don't know what people go through. Yeah, but I like uh, I like Michelle McCarthy when she's like the ghost of Christmas past. Nakatomi, L.A. John McClane, right? I'm like, that's a good opening line. That's a witty, solid, sweet opening line. I thought so. That was uh, it's good that she got she got his attention with that. Yeah, um, you were just talking before about uh, about about Lauren Litherer, yeah. right? So she actually has a credit from this past year. She was. She played. Did you ever see the movie? Have you seen the movie To Leslie? Not yet. Where I really want to. Though. Andrea Andrea Riseborough was was nominated for an Oscar yeah, for, the, for the, her work in that. The amazing. And she, she plays Leslie's mother. No way! Oh, I have to yeah. see this movie now. Okay, cool. There you go. Again, it's you know she's thirty three years removed from from Die Hard too, so she, yeah, yeah. she's a little older and can play, uh, you know, can play that type of of mother. Figure, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's also interesting how we've gone from 
the solid gold of just the facts to the kind of head scratcher of no, I only do needlepoint in the That's same, right. in the same minute. I don't really even understand the needlepoint gag because uh, he didn't he didn't stab him. He shot him. No, she says handiwork, handiwork. Yeah, handiwork. And so he's like, no, I only do needlepoint. I don't know. Yeah, it's he's just you know he just sews. It's a He's making an Afghan. I don't know. Wah, wah. Uh, but he, he, he tries to be, at the beginning, he tries to be polite until he figures out who she is. Yeah, that he's a journalist. Ah, eject, eject. No, thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And then the the, the shot changes, and they, they bring us uh, back to the control tower. And we see, we see our good friend Trudeau again. Yep. And he goes, great. National just shut down. Totally iced. They'll send us their planes. And then we get a response. Happy, happy holiday. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So, first of all, first of all, the idea that they're saying, okay, now, the distance between Reagan National and Dulles is not that far. So, you know, if they're closed down, you'd think that Dulles is getting close to that. You know, the, yeah. the weather can't be that different. No. So why is it, okay, now they're going to move everyone over to us? Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's right. Is the, is the blizzard happening two miles over there? Uh, yeah, that's right. Is. Oh, that's okay. Right. Well, you know, no, I mean the distance is a little bit more than than two miles, but still. Yeah, if the whole eastern seaboard is being taken out by a blizzard, then uh... the distance between Dulles and, and Reagan is uh, is about thirty miles. You know, it's a thirty mile difference. But again, I don't think that the um, weather is going to be very different between the two. You know, I don't think that you're going to be able to say, oh, well, this place is icing up, but uh, over there, everything's fine, or vice versa. Yeah. You know, so so uh, what do you know about Ronald Reagan National Airport? Nothing. You know anything about it? Zero. Okay, so sometimes it's only known as National, sometimes it's known as Washington National, sometimes it's known as Reagan National, sometimes it's known as DCA, sometimes Reagan, or sometimes simply National. So it's uh, an airport that is on the other side of the Potomac from Washington, D.C., than then, uh, Dallas. It was opened originally in 1941 and originally was named Washington National Airport. I was wondering if it, had a, uh, if it was built as Ronald Reagan or had its name changed. No, 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 no. Right. And in uh, 1998, Congress passed a, a bill renaming it Ronald Reagan National Airport, which is very interesting because, you know, Clinton uh, signed that into law. So right. they didn't have a problem naming, naming it after... Uh, you know, a, a an opponent from the the other side of the aisle, I guess. Yeah. Um, it uh, it operates uh, with close oversight by the federal government because of its proximity to to the capital itself. Sure. Um, there are lots of problems because of the fact that <laughs> that uh, be, because it's so close to Washington, there's a whole bunch of areas that are uh, that you can't fly over. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so planes are required to take unusually complicated paths to avoid restricted and prohibited airspace above sensitive landmarks, government buildings, and military installations in and around Washington, D.C. And uh, they must comply with some of the tightest noise restrictions in the entire country. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a hub for American Airlines and has 91 nonstop destinations from there. 
Okay, 91, that's quite a, um, a lot. It's, it's technically an international airport, but it, uh, it rarely deals with international uh, flights, which I guess is why um, they're bringing Esperanza's plane to Dallas. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. <laughs> in, uh, in 2018, they had 23.5 million passengers that uh, passed through the airport. And in 2019, they had 23,945,000, which they basically say is only an increase of 1.8%. Yeah, that's not. But it still, but it still, it still uh, broke a record for the airport. Yeah. Um, now, for me, the the one thing that always reminds me of Washington National Airport is I remember um, in 1982 there was a very bad plane crash that happened right outside of Washington Airport, and they actually made a movie about it um, called Flight 90. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It uh, it was a, a flight that was going. From DC to I think Florida, they had they had too much ice on their wings, and the plane wasn't able to take off, and it crashed, and uh, just about everybody was killed. Seventy four people were 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 killed on the flight, um, in, as well as four people on a on on vehicles on the bridge that that were Yikes. that were killed throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it happens to be a great movie. The way that they do it, they the way that they show it, there there were very few people that were. Uh, doesn't list here how many people survived. I think from the movie, if I remember correctly, there were like six people that survived. That's uh, not a lot. Ah, okay, here, no, here it is. Five. Okay, here they say the six people were rescued, but five, but only five lived. One of the one of the passengers died later. Jeez Louise, nightmare. But again, it's 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 a great movie. If anyone wants to, to if anyone, I mean, I like watching disaster movies. So yeah. you know, especially real ones. So it, it's called uh, Flight 90 uh, on the Potomac or something like that, if I remember correctly. It happens it, again. It's great. It has has Richard Richard Mazer is on it. Mauser Mazer, however you want to refer to him. That's right. Flight 90 disaster on the Potomac. There you go. Disaster on the Potomac. And now we're 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 back in the control tower. We get Carmine continuing to. He starts to talk and he goes. The worst part, Mr. Trudeau, was the press. They were here anyway, crawling all over the Esperanza story, and then he gets cut off. Cut off. So people are gonna have to come back on Monday to find out the rest of what he says. But my first question is: is Why is the chief of police coming to police? The chief of the airport police coming to the tower in order to give an update as to what's going on? Like, yeah, I know. It's like it, this guy here, this Trudeau, just seems like he's in charge of everything. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, you know, the restaurant food orders guy came up to him and was like, I need you to sign off on this. And he'd be like, you know, 18 dozen buns. We're not going to need that many. You know, like, like he's just, right. he's like, he's like, maybe he's got to you know, schedule the cleaning staff as well. Like, it seems like everybody's coming to him, you know, like, uh, like Lloyd Bridges in, uh, in the airplane or something, yeah. you know, asking him for advice on literally everything that's happening. Like I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm mystified yeah. as to why the, the chief of, airport police would be reporting to the guy who's in charge of the traffic control yeah sure that's another part of this movie that's like have you ever been inside a baggage handling facility have you ever been inside an air traffic control (laughs) facility do you know anything about the upper management of airports like this like this this stuff is just willy-nilly kind of happening in this movie and i'm like sure man sure okay yeah (laughs) but dennis franz 
the one and only Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz, yes. Uh, Emmy, Emmy award-winning uh, Dennis Franz. I loved his Sipowitz. character, Sipowitz. <laughs> Sipowitz in NYPD Blue. And he, I'm really glad that he got to be on NYPD Blue and really, you know, shine, because he, he kind of was that show. especially And show his ass. And show his ass. Seriously. All right, you have anything else before we get into the script? Uh, just, I know, just uh, some stuff that happened. I like just, the, in terms of the movie that's happened up till now, I like that the title for Die Hard 2 comes up just pow, like Robocop. No produced by or anything, just like bang, Die yeah. Hard 2. Here we go. Uh, McLean hates scarves, apparently. He's walking around in the dead of winter with uh, his chest open to the elements. Uh, I was not prepared for a buck naked William Sadler. That was something that caught me by surprise. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, his crew, that's, this is Robert Patrick, Don Harvey, Vondi Curtis Hall, all these people that I'm like, oh, like they were, they John were, yeah, John Leguizamo does a surprise appearance later on in the film. Um, I was just like, wow, that's, uh, that's great. Great to see them all. And yeah. uh, boy, security in this airport is lax. Is lax. I think I think lax is is a very uh, polite term for it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all. all. Right. That's all. Yeah. Okay. So the the script has has some extra lines. So we'll, we'll quickly go through that. So first of all, the 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 girl says, uh, "Say I close in an hour. Maybe we could." And then he cuts her off, shows her wedding ring, his wedding ring, and says, "Just a fax, ma'am. Just a fax." So the line is in the script. Okay. Um, Sam isn't on a phone call. She just, it says she's trotting down the, trotting down the linoleum next to the walkway, trying to keep up with him. And then she says, the ghost of Christmas past, Nakatomi, LA, you're John McClane, right? And he goes, depends who you are. Ah. And then she says, Sam Coleman, WADC News. Hey, I know how you feel about the media, but we're not all like that. Putz Thornburg, he crossed the line. That's why they canned him out in LA. Yeah, now he's on the network interviewing transsexual gum surgeons and laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> what transsexual gum surgeons? Oh my gosh, that's random. Holy okay, holy. the guy makes Geraldo look like Walter Cronkite. Doesn't mean you can't cut me some slack. I saw the stiff. Word is it was your handiwork. Nah, I do. I do needlepoint. And he's at the end of the hallway, at the walkway, and he quickly disappears into the crowd, leaving Sam pissed, puzzled, and out of breath. And then it says. Um, inside the the air traffic control, Lorenzo has joined the regulars here to cover his ass. And then it says, Lorenzo just says, well, the press was here crawling all over the Esperanza story. So again, they cut out all of Trudeau's lines in the script. It's it's not there with him telling about what has happened in national, the national was closed down and all that stuff. Okay, so... Every Friday, we have a special segment, which my guests don't know anything about. And so Duncan is going to be surprised. What in the, It's called, uh, Where Are They Up To This Weekend? And what I decide to do is I, uh, you know, if, if I'm dealing with a Movies by Minute uh, uh, guest, so I will see how much they actually remember about the movies that they've done. Movies by minute. Oh, um, and if it and if not, if it's someone who doesn't, then 
then I will choose. Uh, I, I, I will. They will give me a list of their favorite movies, not knowing why, and then I will quiz them on that. So basically, the question that I have for you. Let's start with. Uh, so, the two movies that I know that Duncan has done is uh, Time Bandits and Tron. Yeah. So let's start with Time Bandits. Where do you think? What do you think is going on in Time Bandits at the end of Week Six? Okay. Again, there's a little bit of leeway here because you know different. Uh, different versions, you know the the you know the minutes might be a little off here or there, whatever it is. What do you think is going on? End right of now? week six, so that'd be minute eighteen, I think. No, 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 no. Again, you do three minutes a week. I'm talking about uh, minute thirty. Oh, minute thirty. Oh, okay. Uh, so yes. Minute... So for you, it'll be much later than that. But I want you to do this from 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 your memory, not not looking up. Uh... No, no. I just I just want to know the the minute that we're talking about. <laughs> Right, minute uh, minute twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, something like that. What what is going on at that point? Uh, let's see. They have at that point, I believe they've already. Let's see. It opens. Blah blah blah. Do do do. I think they've already pushed the wall out of Kevin's room and they've fallen through the pit. Uh, they're meeting Napoleon. No, they've already finished Napoleon. Oh, they finished Napoleon. They're, they're, oh, okay. they're already. They just. They just, uh, just uh, landed in 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 Sherwood Forest and ah. basically have have uh, you know, ransacked the uh, the carriage and taken uh, you know taking prisoners, taking everything as they're from, trying to from figure Mike, out. Delightful Michael Palin and Shelley Duvall. Yes, correct. Now, what I love about this the most is that two minutes from now is where I was on your show. Oh, great. Good, good. <laughs> So yeah, all right, great. That that's a uh, very good for for time bandits. And now let's go with Tron. Sure. Where are they up to in Tron at the thirty minute mark? At the thirty minute mark, I believe, uh, he is meeting uh, Rom. No, he's in he's in the jail cell. There, Tron has been sucked into the grid, and he's in a jail cell talking to. Uh, talking to Krom. Okay, Krom at, Rom. at exactly the 30-minute mark, he gets sucked into the system. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right, great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm. First of all, I'm glad to to, to take you back on that uh, uh, journey through time. <laughs> yeah. To you know, to see where things are, to see you know, compare and contrast what we're doing here, what you did there, you know, things like that. Yeah. So yeah. All right, great. So, Duncan, is there anything else you want to say about this movie that you haven't said yet? Uh, just that it's um, a fun romp. Uh, I don't for a second believe that any of it is uh, accurate or researched. <laughs> I think that uh, there, I the church part um, is weird to me, the old abandoned church. I'm just like, why? What the heck? That's a really weird set choice or building choice. Uh, I found that to be uh, pretty pretty odd a lot of the helicopter stunts were really good i the the final shot there the final explosion i don't know if that is even remotely possible um but but we don't watch these movies for 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 reality we watch them for the fun of it that the good thing like the good thing about the first movie was that by whatever means of trickery and by whatever means of movie magic and by whatever means of performance the it, it came off as more realistic at, I think. at the out at the outer edge of believability 
Okay. Uh, not in turn, like, I don't think anybody's, you know, I think maybe one person's gun runs out of bullets in the first movie, you know, so like, not, not like, not like full on documentary, but there was something about it that like uh, John McClane really came across as somebody that you were like, that was close. Even though, you know, he's going to live till the end of the movie. There were enough scenes in the movie that made you go, man, he almost didn't get out of that one. Like, right. uh, and that's the mark of a good action movie of like, if you actually believe that the main character is in jeopardy and you're like, you, you know, they're not, but if you actually feel that, then, uh, then that's good. That's the sign of a good movie. And I, I, I didn't, at any point have that feeling with this movie <laughs> that John McClane was in any danger. It's just, I'm like, sure thing, buddy. This is just a fever dream of, you know, bad guy terrorists and manly men doing manly things. And all the women love John McClane and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, stuff blows up real good in this movie. <laughs> stuff blows up real good. So I'm not, you know, poo-pooing the movie in terms of what it is. It's no diehard one, but it's a pretty solid second entry. It's not the nosedive that a lot of sequels do. Right. So, okay. All right. Do you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find uh, Duncan Shields? Just go to Toronologically Speaking or Google the Time Bandits Minute or look for Buy Duncan Shields on all of your regular social media outlets. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, Duncan, thank you very much for joining me this week. I, I had a lot of fun. I hope too. I did, yes. In I will be back on, on Monday with, with a new guest. But until then, yippee ki yippee ki If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air Quaint little villages here 